2018, the UK found out that they had a serious problem, an epidemic on their hands. And that epidemic was a loneliness epidemic. Surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, their young people felt it stronger than anyone. Those aged 16 to 24 felt lonelier than those over age 65. And over 40% of their population said that they struggled with loneliness. They did a, a further study on just a smaller sampling of their country, and they found even this small sampling that they had over 200,000 people that hadn't had a meaningful connection with anybody in the last month. UK studied it further and found that uh, this was increasing their mortality rates by 26%. And it was costing their country $3.5 billion every year. In order to combat this, they appointed somebody as a minister of loneliness to try and tackle this problem. Isn't that sad? When you think about how God intended life to be lived, it's sad to hear that this is a problem. God intended us to live in community with each other and be there for each other. And we see this possibility in the church. And yet, I wonder how many people are in here today or in churches across our nation or in churches across the world that are, that are here, but they feel disconnected. I don't know if that's you or not. I hope it's not. How many people got the email or saw my Facebook post about the trees? Just want to see, all right. So I was reading about some trees, yes, trees. Uh, I, put in that, I put in my email, I'm not a tree hugger. I'm not the, the person that likes to go out and hug trees. In fact, I like to cut them down because they make good firewood, right? And they heat our house. But these trees that I was reading about really reminded me of the church. And I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought it was fascinating reading about these trees and what these trees could teach us about community. And I was telling my wife about it, and she's like, how can anybody not believe in God when they hear stories like this and see things in nature and everything like that? Well, um, I don't know. Has anybody ever been out to California in here? And have you ever seen the redwoods out there? All right, just, just a handful. Well, I want to talk to you about redwoods uh, today, and, and uh, like I said, I just think it's fascinating. But the redwoods are the tallest trees on the planet. They can grow up until um, the 300s and up until 400 feet tall. It says that they actually drink the fog. I thought that was cool. They absorb the moisture through their leaves. They're, they're also the oldest living trees, and some of them reach over 2,000 years old. 2,000 years old. Their bark is super strong and resilient. It can be a foot thick. And uh, it actually will char when it's set on fire and become a heat shield. So they've had fires that burn down forests. You know all the fires that happen in California. They've had fires that burn down forests and, and they leave the redwoods just standing there many times. Another thing that I read is, you'll never see a redwood tree alone. They always grow in groves or with other redwoods. They start off the size of a matchstick and grow and grow and grow and uh, they chase the sun until they reach the heavens. They're bug resistant. That, 
that strong bark, that foot-thick bark protects them. We, we have to worry about certain types of bugs in Ohio. and In Michigan, you have the bark beetles. They don't have to worry about that. They're very bug-resistant. They're also drought-resistant. Uh, a typical trunk can store 8,000 gallons of water. They're flood-resistant. I, I don't know if you know this, but floods kill trees. And if you've ever had a plant or if you've had a tree or yourself and you, you give it a lot of water and water it often, you will often kill that, that plant because there needs to be oxygen in their roots. And if you just keep it full of water, they can't do that. But the redwoods don't have a, a problem with that. Their bark absorbs sound. Thought that was cool. And, and people who have gone to these places say that a lot of the ambient noises is just drowned out and you can hear the nature that's right there and, and present. Redwood's roots only grow nine to 10 feet deep and I thought that was pretty surprisingly considering how, how tall they are. At 400 feet, 300 feet, you'd think they would be, need to be much deeper. But what I found out is they grow out for hundreds of feet, hundreds and hundreds of feet. And what they do is they interconnect their roots with the other redwood trees. So think about this grove of redwoods all with their roots interconnected. Scientists have found out that the trees can actually communicate with each other. I don't know, has anybody ever seen Avatar, the movie Avatar? Nobody? Okay, some people, all right, thank you for raising your hands, all right. Uh, in that movie, though, there's this, this idea of the trees communicating with each other, and, and uh, I guess it's true, because it's happening in these redwoods. A grove of redwoods can tell when one of the trees is struggling. And when one of the trees is struggling, the others will send hormones and nutrients to that tree. They'll share resources through that root system. As you can see, God's creation is amazing, isn't it? In Redwoods, I see an armor around each of these trees. It reminds me of the armor of God, right? It's bug-proof. It's, it's fireproof. It's resilient. The trees block out the noise of the culture, right? The honking horns. It's just absorbed into their bark. And I see that in the church as well. Drought-resistant, fire-resistant. Probably what impacts me the most, though, is that sharing of resources, that root system that's interconnected. When the storms come, it's only by them being interconnected with each other that they're able to handle those storms and stay upright. And then, of course, they're sharing nutrients and resources when one of them lags behind. I don't know about you, but that's a, a picture of the church. That's a picture of our potential. And that's what I want to talk today. I want, I want to bring us back to a familiar passage, some familiar passages, that, and just remind us of what the church should be. I love this church. I've been here over 20 years. And I've been with some of you for over 20 years. And I love you. And I love that we have new people in here. New people that have jumped right in. Yes. And I love the community that I have with my Sunday school class. I love, I love having my family here. I love having my in-laws here. I love having my sister and brother-in-law here. And I love that they had a little kid. And I want us 
to live up to our potential. I want us to be how God intended us to be. So if you're in your Bibles, turn to Acts 2. Acts 2, like I said, very familiar passage. I'm only, only going to spend a little bit of time here. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. You've, you've probably heard this preached 14 million times. And I'm not going to go super in-depth in it. I just want to remind you. And I want to call us to something else. But Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. This is entitled, The Fellowship of the Believers. The fellowship of the believers. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These were the four essentials of what the church looked like. The early church, the church that started right after Christ, right? This is what it looked like. Teaching. They devoted themselves to teaching, to preaching, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, and I don't know if we, we truly understand what that word means. I'd love to do an in-depth study on it myself, but I think oftentimes we see the word fellowship and we just think it's about getting together, maybe a Super Bowl party or something like that. Fellowship is more than that, though. Yes. Fellowship is far deeper than that. And if you look at the original language, it's translated as community on mission. Community of mission, I'm sorry. Community with a purpose. That's what fellowship is. So it's more than just a gathering. Then we have the breaking of the bread or communion, right? And communion, that's when we remember what Christ did for us. And it's just not what Christ did for us. We remember the mission that he started. When we break the bread, in, in ancient Jewish cultures, when you broke bread at a table and you took that bread, it would be the patriarch, the leader of the family. They would break that bread and they would pass that on. And if you were next to them, and if you were accepting of their rule, if you were putting yourself under them, you would take that and eat that bread. And if you weren't accepting of that rule, you would just pass it along. In communion, we do that, though. Jesus broke the bread, and he handed it to the disciples, right? And every time we take communion, we're not just remembering what Jesus did for us. We're saying, we're under you. Your mission, your vision, we're taking that on as our mission in our vision. And that's why communion is so different. That's why we say, be careful if you take com communion. Because that's what you're pledging to, to be a part of that. And then they devoted themselves to prayer. Do you remember when the, the disciples came to Jesus and asked them to teach them how to pray? Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer. And I, and I don't know if you realize this, though, but this is more than just Jesus teaching them how to pray. Like if somebody came to me and said, you know, James, teach me to pray, I'd probably give them acts, the A-C-T-S, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That would be just teaching them how to pray or giving them an, an idea of how to pray, pray. But when Jesus gave this, when Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, he's given so much more. When, when a disciple would come to the rabbi and say, teach me to pray, 
He wasn't just teaching him how to pray. This was the opportunity for the rabbi to give these students his vision and his mission. And that's what we see Jesus do in the Lord's Prayer, right? Here's my mission. Here's my vision. And it needs to be ours, too. What's, what's the mission? It's that heaven would invade earth. And that God's name would be glorified. That's the mission. And when he was teaching the disciples how to pray, he was teaching them to take on that mission. What's the vision? Well, it's spiritual and it's tangible. It's give us this daily bread, right? We have the physical where we need bread to live on. We need our needs met. And we're, as a church, supposed to help people with that. But it's also give us the word, right? The bread of life. It's Jesus. And then he says, and we're supposed to forgive others as God forgives us, right? It's spiritual and yet it's tangible. It's spiritual because we should be forgiving other people's sins when they sin against us. That's how we're supposed to live in community. And it's also tangible. We weren't supposed to sue each other. Remember, they're under Roman oppression, right? And if they spent all their time suing each other, they wouldn't be able to surprise, survive that oppression. And when the people experience the mission and the vision of the Lord's Prayer, forgiving each other, that's when heaven would invade earth. That's when God's name would be lifted up. And that's what we see in the rest of this passage of Acts, right? Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. The believers had a common unity. They were on the same page. Remember, they had the same mission. They understood what they were about as the church. And I wonder today, do we understand what we're about as the church? Do we truly understand it? Do you know what we're about as a church? It's that same mission from the Lord's Prayer. It's about heaven invading earth. It's about his kingdom coming down to this earth. And it's about spreading that kingdom to point people towards God so that they can have a relationship with him. How'd they do it? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Like I said, they're in this together. I like shows like uh, The Walking Dead. I haven't watched that in a while. But here's this community trying to survive the apocalypse, and they're all banded together, right? They're living for each other. They're not just living for themselves. If they just live for themselves, they're not going to survive. They're, they're in this community. They have this mission, though. I even think they, in one of the seasons, they, they come across this kingdom group or something like that. Sometimes I wish we were more like that today. Some big apocalyptic thing would happen and I wouldn't have to go to work. That, that's probably the big part of it. <laughs> and I could just go around and, you know, try and survive with my family, with my church family. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't think the first church had a loneliness problem one bit. I think the first church was experiencing the spirit of God, joy. I think there was this gladness, and, and I think it was all sincere, not fake. They were welcoming people into their homes, and there were people all around them watching. And those people were like, wow, what is going on with this group? They're so devoted to each other. I think I want to be part of that. And God added to their number daily. Why? Because when we find true community, when we see people that actually see us and know us and love us and believe in us, and you taste that unity, it's a game changer, right? Think about sports teams. There are sports teams full with people who want to be the superstar. And when they play a sport, it's all about them, right? And then we see teams, though, that are devoted to each other. And you have superstars on them, but those superstars look at the weakest players and try to motivate them to be better, and they work with them. It's not just a coach trying to get the team to get better. It's the leaders on the team working with the people who need, to, need the most help. And they have a common mission, right, to win the championship. They have a common vision. They start working together. Isn't that what we say? They start working together as a team. Couldn't that be the church? Shouldn't that be the church? When you, when you go to the New Testament, you see this. And here's my question. You know, do you have that here? Do you have that here today, do we have that? Or, or maybe the question is, do you want that? When you're reading the New Testament and you're seeing about the teachings of Jesus and you're reading about those, do you say, I want to have that, I want to live that out? Or do you say, ah, it's not for me? Something that you need to ask yourself. There's, there's a word used over and over and over in the New Testament. And Ethan, if you fall asleep, all right, <laughs> I'm going to throw that tissue box at you, all right? There's a word used over and over and over, and it's alelan, alelan. And it's translated one another, one another. Used almost a hundred times in the New Testament. Adam Stanley says, it's the primary activity of the church to be one anothering one another. It's a primary activity of the church to be one anothering one another. He says that we ought to be the best people on the planet at the one another's, right? Amen? So here's what I want to do. I just want to go through a few of those one another's, not really unpack them super strong, just go over them, and, and let's just take an inventory of ourselves and see if we're carrying these things out and living these things out. Let's start with Jesus. He's, he's probably the best to start with, right? John 13, 34. Jesus says in John 13, 34, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love one another. 
Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. So this is Jesus commanding the church, hey, this is what I want you to be about. This should characterize you. Love each other as I love people, unconditionally, sacrificially, right? We could probably add a a ton more adjectives there to describe how Jesus loved people. I think all of us have experienced love that's conditional, right? Love that's performance-based. But what separates the church is that our love is unconditional. Our love is sacrificial. The Hebrew word for command is the word mitzvah, mitzvah. And it's like the sacred deed. It's a holy endeavor. That's what we're called to, a holy endeavor to love people as Jesus loved them. A holy endeavor to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and to love on people. Do you have that unconditional love right now? Do you feel that? Are you loving people sacrificially right now? Who are you checking in on? Who are you standing in the gap with right now? It's, it's more than just giving money, right? It's so much more than just giving money. That's easy. It's, it's who do you have your roots intertwined with, right? Who do you have your roots intertwined with and you're living in a grove where you're holding each other up during the storm? Do you have that? Who are you sending resources to because they're falling behind? Who are you sacrificing free time to hang out with? Whose hospital room have you gone to? Guys, there are so many people in this church right now that need somebody to intertwine with them. Need to tangle some roots with them. It's, it's overwhelming right now. And this is an awesome opportunity for us to be the church. People think church is boring. People think church doesn't really matter. And I guarantee you, if you intertwine your roots with somebody, you'll see what it's all about. Don't be too busy. Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. First, I have trouble with my S's. Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage one another and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Do you know what the idea of encourage is? It means when we look at somebody, we see in them the image of God. People are created in the image of God. And we can speak and we can call that out. What an opportunity, right? Man, what if we strive to show another person? We strive to get them to realize who they are in God. That's true encouragement. What if we strive to call out the goodness, the parts that mirror the image of God, instead of focusing in on the negative? And what if by calling that out, if speaking that out, we give that person the courage to step into who God created them to be? Don't we want to do that? 
Don't we want people to realize that and to grow into that? Do you have those people in your life? See, many of us have people that are experts in tearing us down, right? Many of us are experts. When somebody steps on us, we're good. Step back, right? There's people who discourage us, who speak, speak shame into our lives. And as a result, people are afraid to step into who they are in Christ. It keeps them from doing that. But we, as a family of God, living in the footsteps of Jesus, we want to encourage people to step out and to step into who God created them to be. Who's encouraging you today? Who are you encouraging? Who are you building up? Because they have a better, you have a better vision for them than they do. Do you see something in somebody that they don't see in themselves? I've had mentors in my life that have spoken things to me. I was like, do you see that? Man, I remember, I remember being encouraged to be a pastor by people when I wasn't even thinking about it. Who are you speaking into their lives? What if, what if the church was full of people like that, encouraging, picking them up when they, when, when they fell down in life, right? When we see somebody physically fall down, our instinct is to go to them and help them up oftentimes, especially if it's right in front of us. But, but why is it when somebody falls down spiritually, we just kind of steer clear? of that. I've had people like Lee, when I've fallen down spiritually, come to my house and pick me up. When everything inside of me wanted to stay away from the church because of the shame and the guilt that I felt, he came to me. Wow, what an awesome opportunity we have to go after people that have fallen down. Right? James 5.16, here's another one. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you have people in your life that are praying for you, truly praying for you? Do you have people in your life that when it gets difficult, these are people that you can turn to that you know will stand in the gap for you? When you're you're in that storm, do you have people to lock roots with? I do. I know exactly who those people are. And those are the people I go to. Do you have people that you confess the real struggles that you're dealing with? That's scary, right? Do you have people that you can confess your sins to, what you're struggling with? It's, it's interesting. If There's three professions that people confess to a lot, lawyers, police officers, and pastors. And if you ask all three of those professions, you'll find out something about people who confess. People will only confess to what they think you already know. I remember coming up to these altars and you'd have to share your stuff with the pastor. And would I share my deepest, darkest secrets with them? No, I'd just give them some surface things. I'm struggling with pride. 
What if we had people in our lives, though, that we could go much deeper? True confession goes much further. You have people in your life that you can take off the mask and be 100% with. I'm struggling with this. I'm broken. I'm embarrassed. When we do this, what happens? Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I think there's a lot of bondage that's broken when we do that. But do you have somebody in your life that you can do that with? Are you somebody that somebody can do that with? That's what the church should be about. Think about AA, man. Somebody's struggling with something. What do they do? They call each other. Hey, I am super tempted right now, and I need your help, right? What if we did that in a church? I am super tempted right now, and I need your help. I need you to pray for me. I need you to get over here, slap me a little bit, do whatever it takes. Be there for me. Wouldn't you run for that opportunity? Wouldn't you run to be a part of that? Then why don't we do it? Why do we let pride get in the way? Man, church, there's too many people fighting wars alone because we feel ashamed and we're scared to let people in. And the people around us are struggling with the exact same things. Who are the people that you're praying for? Who are the people that you're seeking out in prayer? Who's the person that God lays them on your heart to pray about? Go to some people. When the Holy Spirit moves you, go to some people. Pray with them right then and there. Call them up. They're too far away and just say, hey, I'm praying for you. I don't know why, but I'm praying for you. And encourage them, right? Encourage them. Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know what it doesn't say? Be judgmental towards one another. Hey, give a whole bunch of shame to one another. It doesn't say gossip about one another. It says be kind, tender-hearted. Because the person sitting next to you, you don't know their story. You don't know their story. You don't know what they're dealing with and where they come from. I tell you what, this has become super real to me, getting paired up with mentoring kids and their family situations. Oh my goodness, guys. The things that these kids are dealing with. You don't know what they're struggling with. Be tender-hearted. Be kind. Be compassionate, right? Take them under your wing. Compassion is about taking them into your womb. We talked about this before. Like a kangaroo pouch womb. All right, not the other kind of womb, because that'd just be weird. <laughs> Take some people into your kangaroo pouch. Hold them close. Forgive, an- forgive one another. Why? Because Christ forgave us, right? He forgave us. He loved us when we didn't deserve it. 
It's the mission. It's the view. How do you see people? You, you know who, who is a group of people that I don't care for? Muslims. I think about all the things that have happened and all the things some have done. But then I see this, this video earlier about these two girls who were trapped in Islam. They were growing up in Islam, and they're searching for the truth. And God reveals himself to these two young ladies. And I realize, man, Muslims, people in Islam, they're trapped. They're trapped under this false God that is very distant, this God who is all about punishment. And it changes my perspective on who they are because they're searching, right? They're searching for God, and we have an opportunity to share that with them. Or we can hate them. What group do you hate? Is it the other political party? Is it a racial thing? Is it something else? They're people who need Christ. And they're people that God has called us to. Be kind, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Galatians 6.2. I'm going to tell you, this is, this is one of my favorite verses right now. Galatians 6.2. Share one another's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Okay? Share one another's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Like I said, I love this. How do you fulfill the law of Christ? It's not about what you don't do, right? But that's what we make it in church. We make it about the things you shouldn't do. No, it's not about what you don't do. It's about what you're doing in Christ's name. Share some burdens, and you fulfill the law of Christ. It's not about, oh, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't, you know, beat up my wife. It's not about those things, right? It's about... I help carry burdens for people. Do you have people that are carrying your burdens, carrying your struggles, carrying your pain? Are you experiencing that right now with this body? There are people in here that are worn out beyond belief. In here right now, that needs somebody to help them with the load. And can I tell you, if that's you, you need to reach out to some people because we may not realize it. You just need to say, I need help. I need a brother and sister to come up alongside of me and help me with this. Whose burden are you helping to carry? Who do you see in their life and you're like, wow, how are they making it through that? How are they dealing with that? I'm going to go up to them and ask them and see if they need anything. Man, just somebody to talk to. Isn't there an opportunity that we have in the bulletin to be a, a hospice volunteer? Whose burdens are you helping to carry? Whose kids have drifted away and it's wrecking you because that's your family too? And when your family grieves, you grieve. 
Who are you willing to share that pain with and your burdens with? I hope you feel comfortable to do that, right? Man, teens, could you imagine if teens lived this out in high school? Can you imagine if teens helped share burdens more? Some do, I bet. Imagine if teens were willing to share their pain and burdens with. Man, you got to share those things. Can I encourage you? You have to share those things because God did not intend you to do life alone. God did not intend you to take that weight alone. That's what the church is for, to help. Hmm. Sometimes you're going through, maybe it's something like a divorce, and it's the last thing you want to do is to reach out to your church family. But shouldn't it be the first Right, because there's no judgment here. Family who care about you, who are tender-hearted towards you, who are kind to you, who want to carry your burdens. Church, we have some heavy burdens in here. It's an awesome opportunity to live this verse out. Romans 12.10. Be devoted to, to one another in love. Honor alelan one another above yourself. What would happen if we were devoted to each other? What would happen if we valued others more than ourselves? This place would be radically different. Out there, it's, it's all about me. In here, sometimes it's all about me. But what if it wasn't? What if we strive to lift people up? And what if we didn't just strive to lift people up? What if we wanted people to be above us, right? Like, I will help somebody, no problem, but I don't want to help them above me. I don't want to help them, you know, above me at my own expense. But what if we did that? What if we wanted our family in here to be better off than we are? What would happen? Do you have somebody that you're caring about, that you're worried about, that you're lifting up, that you're sending nutrients, resources to, because you want to see them make it, that you want to see them thrive. You want to see them better off than you are. Hmm. My friends, do you see our potential for this church? If we're in Christ, if we're doing the one another's to one another. Awesome potentials. Awesome potential for the church to be relevant. Isn't that what we struggle with? Is the church even relevant today? If we just take care of the one another's, it will be. I mean, a pastor can't do all the one another's. There are just way too many things going on right now. And it's going to take all of us, all of us in here to do that. And I go back to my original question, is that what you want? We see what it looks like. We see what it can look like. But are you willing to be devoted to one another? And I'm just not just talking about attendance, right? The average church follower today attends once a month. I'm asking, are you willing to be devoted to one another? 
to be reaching out to one another, to be carrying burdens for one another. I'm talking about that kind of devotion. Church body, man, it's made up of many parts working together, and it doesn't work if it's just a few. It has to be every Christ follower. Every Christ follower that takes communion and puts themselves under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Every Christian who says the Lord's Prayer and puts himself under the mission and vision of Jesus Christ. Everyone. Be a part of that. Be a part of that. I want to end going back to the Redwoods. I left one thing out. Every once in a while, redwood would die. And eventually it falls over. And when it does, it, it drops its seeds. And most of those seeds don't, don't last and don't take root. But what happens is that trunk of that tree is still connected to that root system. And those other trees realize something's going on. And they continue to send nutrients to that trunk. They continue to send resources to that trunk. And out of that trunk, that's where these resources spill over. And it's around this trunk where those seeds fell that the new trees grow up. It's like a circle right around those trees that grow up towards the light and reach towards the heavens. And do you know what scientists call that? They call it a cathedral. It's like a church. You know, when I was thinking about that one tree that falls, isn't that the story of Christ when he died? And he's in the tomb for three days and we're thinking it's all over. But God says, oh no. We're just getting started. And out of that one death, he's raised to life. But not only him, right? The believers around him are raised as well, right? And out of that one trunk, there's the disciples. And out from them, it just keeps going and going and going. And you have these rings and rings and rings that are on mission, that are carrying out the vision of Christ, right? That's the church, the cathedral. Don't we say that we're in Christ, right? Those seeds grow out from the trunk, from the base. Aren't we connected to the vine? It's the same terminology. Would you stand with me? Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something awkward. But don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to talk, right? Because I know when Pastor Brad's up here and he wants us to talk and pray together, it's awkward and I'm always freaking out. And even me, all right? I'm freaking out. I'm like, I don't want to do that stuff, all right? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I just, want to, I just want a picture of something, all right? So will you get next to some people and get into some groups and just hold hands? That's it. Just get into some people, next to some people, not just your own family, all right? You got to hold hands with somebody else. All right, it could be a group of three, it could be a group of 20, whatever it is. I know, all right, forgive me for being super awkward for some of you. I'm an introvert. I hate stuff like this, all right? But I want you to see this picture. 
I want your hands holding each other to be like those roots. Right? And I want you to ask yourself right now, am I willing to share my brother's and sister's pain? Am I willing to hold up their burdens? Am I willing to pray for them? Am I willing to be devoted to them? Am I willing, will I be vulnerable enough to confess my sins to them? Will I be vulnerable enough to confess what I'm dealing with and ask for help from them? Will I go to them when the Holy Spirit puts somebody on my heart? Am I willing to send resources to them, resources of money or time? Am I, worried, am I willing to turn off Netflix and quit binging that so that I can go out? Am I willing to go to that person's hospital room when they're there and pray for them and be with them? Am I willing to live out the one another's for one another? That's a decision you have to make. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of the church, what the church truly called? Will you be in mission, carrying out the work of Jesus Christ with them? Will you be a family? Because if you are, man, what can God do? I guarantee you, church won't be boring, right? Man, the Holy Spirit's given you spiritual gifts. Are you willing to use your spiritual gifts for each other, for this family? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to show up? Hmm. Are you willing, when the Holy Spirit gives you something, hey, when the Holy Spirit gives you something, you're not meant to keep it to yourself. You're meant to share it with the church body. Are you willing to do that? Do you want that? My friends, can I give you one practical thing to get that? Gotta be in a small group. You gotta have a small group. Somebody that, a group that you can share that with. Listen, if you don't live around here, start a small group wherever you're at. Right? You want, to be, you want to impact your community? Start a small group and be devoted to those things and just be there for each other. Right? That's how we fulfill the law of Christ. This week, answer that question. Answer that question. Can I challenge you? Man, there's like a hundred one another's. Will you find them? And will you read them? And will you strive to live them out? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your, your vision of the church, and I pray it would be fresh. Lord, this is stuff we already know. But Lord, would you help us to live it out? 
Would you call each and every person in here to live it out, to be a part of the body, Lord, and to share their resources, share their time, to be devoted to each other, to be caring for each other, to be lifting each other up, to be encouraging each other. Lord, there's so many things going on right now. We need to be the church or we're done. Lord, would you call us to be your church? Would you show us what that truly means? Lord, and would we give you glory through all of it? Lord, would we, will we build your kingdom and be a part of that? Keep us on mission, Lord. Don't just let us gather together. Keep us on mission, Lord, and help us to love one another as you commanded us to do and help us to do it the same way you did it. Lord, thank you for that example. Lord, change us and transform our hearts so that we want to do that, not that we feel like we have to do that. Lord, help us to look more like you. Lord, in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Church, you are dismissed.